0: We're here with our latest podcast with the Western coaches, and today joining us is Travis Cannell, the head Western Washington University women's soccer coach, who's also been the men's soccer coach during his lengthy 26-year career here at Western. Travis, thanks for joining us today, and uh, hope you're doing well in the home office there. Yeah, glad to be here. Want to start just kind of some Q&A with you, talking about the program, talking about your career as a player, talking about your career as a coach and uh first kind of tell us about how you started at western uh you are a, a youthful travis cannell when you arrived in bellingham some even said you had a quite the hairstyle when you started coaching here at western but uh after a, a little professional career you played down in louisiana i believe what was it like joining the western program uh early in your career yeah i, I always
1: enjoyed the game you know and, I, and most of it in the beginning was as a player like you mentioned. But uh, but my dad was my coach growing up, and and so there was a lot of talk about coaching around the dining room table and in the car, right? all in a good way. My dad was a, has a huge influence on my life and in my coaching. Um, and so coaching always interested me, and, and I started coaching even while I was at Seattle Pacific, uh, playing um, as a high school coach and club coach, and, and when... Uh, I moved back to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Brad Swanson was the men's coach at Western and he gave me a call and invited me to come up and, and obviously it's changed my life. And every time I see Brad, I try to thank him for what a gift he gave me with, for, from that phone call to get me into coaching, especially in this amazing university.
0: Your coach at Seattle Pacific, Cliff, uh, is a legend in his own right. How, how much did you draw from him in your playing career, from the recruiting process to playing and winning a national title? Um, we, I, I assume you call him a mentor, but how much did you draw from watching his coaching style when you were playing?
1: He was one of, the, one of the most formative influences on my coaching career, for sure. Um, just the fact that we coached that he coached me in the college game, which is what I now coach. And in the, those first 10 years of coaching at Western, we coached against each other in the same conference. So we stay in touch to this day, and, and uh, he continues to help me solve the riddles of the game. And uh, I'm forever grateful to Cliff. Uh, certainly, he's had, he was an amazing um, people person. He, he understood What people, what motivated people, and uh, he was able to communicate a a a common message to get the team on the same page and to get them headed in the right direction. Um, SPU, we had such a winning mentality where we just expected to win matches, and and we certainly talk about the same thing uh, when we're here at Western.
0: We did have some tough news this week at the time taping this podcast that uh, legendary Western coach Dominic Arjul passed away, um, led the Vikings to an amazing successful run for 10 years from 81 to 1990. And I know that you had a close connection and a close relationship with Dominic. Um, What kind of mentor was he to you? And, um, you know, it's never easy to lose a legend, but... The success that he had paved the way for what the Vikings are today, and um, how much did he mean to you, just to look up to?
1: Yes, Dominic. I mean, it is sad. It's it's sad when we lose anyone that's important to us, and and uh, so that's difficult to talk about. But. Um, But Dominic had a big influence, and and he had obviously a a gigantic influence on the beginning of this program and set an incredibly high bar. Um, But then he's able to continue to, even after retirement, he's able to continually influence the program uh, with relationships with me as a coach and players. Uh, I mean, you really can't ask for – Uh, a a more long-standing positive influence on the program. I remember the first time I met him I I didn't really even know the history of women's soccer when I first started coaching And, and after one of our losses I think that very first season um we were, I was cleaning up the field and, and one of the fans had stuck around and he came up to me and I didn't know him at all. And he introduced himself and didn't say he had been the coach before, just talked about the game with me. And I was a little low and he encouraged me. And and later I find out that he has this illustrious career as a coach from this university. And, and that was the beginning of a, a wonderful friendship um, that has lasted a long, long time. And, and um uh, and, and like I said, he, he, he seemed to always know the right thing to say when I needed to hear it, and um, and I'll miss him deeply.
0: Uh, co- coming back to some recent events, your, your program has elevated to, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to call it, but it's an elite status in collegiate soccer. Uh, four West Region titles, 2016 National Championship, played for the title last year in Pittsburgh. Um, what's this upward climb been like for you And for the program since, since the late 2000s, where things started to really click and you started to get the players and, and, you know, there's been facility improvements, but what has it been like to rise to this level where every year your program is in the talk about winning the national title?
1: It seems like I only think about that when I talk to you, Jeff. <laughs> it's amazing. When, when, we talk, when you say it like that and I'm listening to what you're saying, it's hard for me to believe, to be honest, because as coaches we just think of one day ahead and, and obviously the goal is to improve and, and win games and, and compete for championships. But, but really basically we are trying to learn and grow as coaches and trying to learn and grow – our players give them the opportunity to learn and grow. And, and really that's what we focus on. We focus on the here and now. And, and, and then all of a sudden you, you say sentences like you just say, where we're like, we have accomplished a lot. Our players have been fantastic. The university has been so supportive. The alumni have been amazing. Our community, all of those pieces have come together in a different way to, um, add it all together ends up being long times, long-term times long success like we've had, which is, it's really hard to believe because um, because we, we really don't focus on that. We focus on the next play and the next practice and the next game. And, and then all of a sudden you look back and it's like, wow, this is really, you're really proud of everything. You're proud that your players got to experience all this success and all these amazing memories.
0: Um, it's been a wild ride have you had a chance to even kind of take a step back and maybe look at some photos from Kansas city or Pensacola or, you know, Evans, Georgia, in the final fours. And then last year, you know, see the, the team and revisit the team practicing at Carnegie Mellon and thinking about all the great experiences that have come from the success is amazing. But to think back of what the last eight years of your program has been able to experience is, is it's pretty amazing. Um, if you have state. You know, look through some of the photos and I was doing that the other day. It's it's pretty cool to see the smiles on the faces when they're experiencing this and they're still playing at the highest level. Is there a lot of pride in knowing that it's not just about the soccer, but it's kind of been the experience and I, academics have also been amazing um, over, the last, over that span as well. Yes, we're, there's a lot to be proud of and we don't
1: reminisce enough. We talk about celebrating the successes, but – we, we definitely can do a better job of that. Uh, I mean, I am proud of, of the experiences that, that our athletes have had. Um, and, I, and I really, like I said, the donors, the university support, the alumni have really made a lot of those special events and experiences possible. And I have to give credit to the players and coach Jamie Arthurs and Claire Morgan and Johan. Uh, they really come up with these great ideas of of more experiential ideas Uh, they do so much for our program and have and are 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 the main reason we've been so successful over the last eight years but uh, but definitely I have to give them a lot of credit for some of the ideas of the events and experiences that that we share on the road trip and at home and uh, life is short. We want to make the most of it. You want to enjoy it. We play better when we're happy and excited and, and our
0: coaches have done a fantastic job of creating that, that environment for us. Speaking of experiences right here on campus, we have Harrington field that was dedicated in 2014. I know it's a special place for you. It's a special place for your program. Um, I'm going to throw a number out at you, but, uh, you guys are 58, two and one at Harrington field since it opened. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and part of that student-athlete experience is, is that. And looking back at last year with the games against Point Loma and uh, Dixie State in the West Regional Final and the National Quarterfinal that we were able to host, how amazing is it to have that facility? Um, you're, you came from playing a lot of games at Walken Community College and Civic Stadium. So um, during this span where you guys have been on campus, how, how has that been for you and the program?
1: Well, it's a—it's just flat out a program changer. It really has just completely changed the program. Um, I wanna thank all those athletes that drove back and forth to Whatcom Community College or Civic Stadium or Northwest Soccer Park because they put in the grind and um, and they didn't get to play on campus and they didn't get to experience Harrington. And I really appreciate what they did for our program and, and it's an important part of it. and. And now the, with the Harrington family, their contributions, their amazing uh, investment in student-athletes uh, and students in general on our campus, uh, big thanks to them. And, and of course, uh, the rec center and, the, and students here, everyone has contributed to that facility and, and it's been a recruiting edge for us. It's been a, like you mentioned, uh, a fantastic home field advantage, uh, definitely you, you still see it even a few years old now you still see the opposing team show up and they're just taking photos of the facility as if they're in awe of this I mean that if that isn't a huge advantage to get teams out of the right uh state of mind when they're playing us I don't know what is so certainly it's been amazing to have a home on campus to, to pr- train there and, and play games in front of our awesome fans
0: yeah I think it was uh Two years ago you were hosting the University of Washington up here and uh, Coach Leslie was looking around when they showed up and you know University of Washington's a very successful program and looking around I said, this is pretty awesome. And I was pretty I was like, Yeah, it is. Um, it's a pretty neat facility. I know a lot of people that came up here for the, the the national quarterfinal last year were saying the same things, the backdrop, and you can't really beat Harrington Field on a nice fall or a nice spring day. So
1: uh, I I totally agree. The when when ESPN came and Bridgeport came out Magnus their coach was like coach how can I compete with this this is an unfair advantage right here and and, um, we don't appreciate it enough it's an amazing place.
0: Well we just mentioned a few games that have been pretty amazing over the years Uh, I know I have my kind of highlight reel in my head of games at Harrington and games but what are some of the memorable games for you in your career some that might not stick out to the average fan or to the player that you look back and you go, wow, that was, that was pretty amazing. Uh, You know, Bridgeport on ESPN or, and I'll never forget beating Azusa Pacific. I think it was in 2015 in the West regional final was my first big event. I'm like, wow, this is pretty neat. And you guys (laughs) went on to Pensacola in the final four and the national semifinal, but what are some of those games kind of hidden in the Travis canal files that are very memorable to you? I love game day, I, yeah. I could go on forever
1: probably. Um, but certainly let's start, I was the men's coach, we were up at Simon Fraser, I think it was my very first year as the assistant men's coach, my first year college coaching and we were in the NAIA, I think it was the district final against Simon Fraser and uh, just a very green coach, just happy to be on the bench, excited to cheer on the team. And uh, it gets heated in the second half and head coach gets red carded out of the game. And all of a sudden I'm in charge and I all of a sudden went from really enjoying myself to all of a sudden being very humbled and going, wow, this is a lot of responsibility. So certainly that game sticks out as not only like, wow, you better be serious about this and that I'm capable and, and this is something I really want to do. I mean, something really clicked in that moment. And so that's a memorable game. Um, and then, of course, 2006, we were, with the women, we were at Seattle U, second to the last game of the season, conference season, and we were having a good year, uh, but we really needed to win to get in, to make our first NCAA tournament, even a, even an op- a possibility, and Seattle U was, I think, fifth in the country at that time, and, and had already wrapped up the conference, and we went to to Seattle, and. We had a dramatic overtime golden goal, and I remember sprinting out on the field with my hands above my head like a little kid, and just really enjoying the moment. and 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 ended up propelling us to our first NCAA tournament. That goal and goal, and then the regional finals—really, all the regional finals they seem to be the the most difficult games to win, and there's just so much of a reward when you can win those games. Uh, so like the Azusa game and, and Point Loma and games against UC San Diego, win or loss, those regional finals just are electric and they just, I wish every student athlete could experience coaches could experience those matches because it's, it's just so electrifying and, and we enjoy those matches so much.
0: I do have to ask you, uh, I think I watch the highlight once a week um, just because it's in my file system, and but Emily Webster's goal in the 2016 championship game against Grand Valley State, between her and Kaylin Jabonic, have you seen three better goals in a championship type? I mean, in a championship match. I mean, if you were to go back and watch those three goals right now, I think everyone will say those are all amazing. But uh, the the way that that team played on that day in Kansas City, um, and that whole season, is that a game that you just every once in a while you you think about and you pull up and you say, wow, those are some pretty amazing moments.
1: That, it, you're totally right when you say really the whole season. I mean, they just were on a mission that season, that team we had, Emily was part of that in a big way, Caitlin and, and Sierra, a ton of leadership. They just, when we talk, I talked about Cliff McGrath and how his teams had this winning mentality where they just expected to win the matches and they played like they were going to win the match. Uh, and And they weren 't going to be denied, and they just took on all uh, obstacles uh, with a fervor and and Certainly they did that year and, and those three goals were ridiculous. I remember saying after the game that that 's really what it takes to beat the the you know one of the best teams ever in the Grand Valley team that we beat that that day and it was, they were, they were, they were the kind of goals that really deflated the opponent too. And Emily, it couldn't have happened to a better person. I mean, the most humble, hardworking, blue collar, awesome kid from Bellingham, you know, grew up literally steps from the campus and here she is winning the national title with her amazing free kick. It just, it's just really one of the great stories of our program.
0: I would agree. I get kind of I get some goosebumps just thinking about and seeing that vision and uh, you know, there's a lot of great moments, but you, you recap some of those. And like you said, I'm sure we could talk for 10, 15 minutes just in my five years of being around your program. And uh, maybe that's a whole other podcast someday where we just go through top 10 games and Travis's files. Um, but last year was also a special year. Obviously you played for the national title and, and won the GNAC title, both the regular season and uh, the conference tournament, but uh, it w- it was a Viking sweep. Uh, the Viking men, Um, went wire to wire winning the GNAC. And I know you've had your stamp on that program as well and are close with Greg Brisbane. How special is it? Was it for you and for both programs to sweep the soccer championships in 2019?
1: It's fantastic. I, you know, Greg and I are really, really close and speak daily and And uh, just really proud of everything that he's accomplished with that group. He's really taken it to another level. I mean, we we talk about it all the time and about the improvements of the program. And, uh, you know, it's night and day uh, what he's been able to accomplish. And and he's doing it the right way. He cares about his student athletes. He, um, you know, he's making better men out of these kids as they go through the program and along the way they're winning games and going to tournaments and winning championships and and uh it is great to see and and you know i think that men's soccer helped me more than i helped it probably but uh but certainly i feel very very close to the program and and i'm the biggest fan watching the games cheering them on whenever i can
0: Pivoting a little bit, going to talk a little bit about your past and your career. And, uh, you know, I was digging through our files um, that Paul Madison so meticulously kept. I think he pretty much kept everything. And uh, I was going through the 1993 men's soccer file, and there was a recap of the national championship season by the Seattle Pacific Falcons. And that was a, a team that you were a big part of. And I was reading up on how crazy that national title run was for you and your teammates. Um talk a little bit about that because i kept reading it thinking how is this possible i think i think it was correct me if i'm wrong but in the semifinal, you had a forward that finished the game at goalkeeper and he pushed forward and scored like a last second game time is this is this all real did this really happen (laughs) it was hard to believe
1: it was definitely hard to believe no there's there's a lot of layers if you get the chance people should read about it because i won't do it justice but uh but yes, we. It's true that uh, in the semifinal, we were playing the host team, uh, Florida International, on their campus, and they'd never lost. and And they had the Richard Sharp, who's the all time, still is the all time leading scorer in college soccer history, any division, on their team as a senior. And uh, yeah, we were down. We were tied, We were tied three three at the end of regulation. Moved into overtime. Went down five to three. Uh, I actually scored uh, with a minute and six seconds left in the second overtime. And, um, and Jason Dunn scored uh, a rocket volley with literally no time on the clock. It was literally like out of the movies. You count down five, four, three, two, one, and the ball's in the back of the net. And they are shocked. Uh, meanwhile, his twin brother has, was, is a defender, and he's the one that went in and played goalie when we were down by two goals in overtime my coach Cliff he was a big hockey guy and so he was went fifth attacker I think I don't know what was going on there but uh, but it worked and um and and yeah it was and then it went into like so then it went to penalty kicks and we're all expecting him to put our goalkeeper back in and he leaves our field player in goal for the entire 15 rounds of penalty kicks and he's saving penalty kicks and
0: it was it's yeah I mean I don't do it justice but it's a great memory. I know I was touching base with Frank McDonald, who I know you really well. And you actually uh, told me you, you helped out in the sports information office back in the day. But we were going over some of the overtime rules, which were pretty complicated back in the 80s and 90s. Um, but then he started telling me about this game. And I was, uh, I, I was like, how can this be true? Uh, how can this all be true? And then, uh, and then, of course, you guys won the national title the next day, I believe, um, making you, you know, a national champion as a player and as a coach. So that, that's a pretty pretty crazy club to be involved with and I'm sure you uh, can draw on that do you ever look at any pictures or uh how do you have the video of that game I think it may have been on YouTube at one point
1: uh, I think my parents have some pictures in the house so when we're there I might see them but uh, yeah fond memories my brother was on my little brother was on that
0: team and my best friend uh I, I had a wonderful a wonderful college soccer experience and now you're a father and a coach you have uh and you know your wife works on campus here um what's the most rewarding part about raising your family around a college campus and specifically the Western Washington University campus and, and having them be a part of the soccer program um, and getting to know your players and also, you know, being a part of the Rangers program. Uh, What's that like to have them be part of that? I know that's not always the case at every stop along the way. And I know that's a big part of Bellingham is that community and uh, the family atmosphere. So what's that been like for you um, since you've been up here for for quite some time?
1: Uh, Yeah, we we love Bellingham. And um, you know, in the beginning, when Ann and I met, she really wasn't planning to be a teacher and I wasn't planning to be a soccer coach, so, um, but we were planning to live near a university. That was one thing that we were, that we did wanna do because we both had great college experiences and, and uh, we wanted to be about around a place where people were learning things and, and studying things and there was like kind of a quest for knowledge, I guess you'd say, and, and we're really into that. And uh, we wanted to be around that environment, and we ended up working there, so that worked out perfectly. We're really drawn to that type of um, situation or that environment, and and we want our kids around it. And there's so many amazing people in Bellingham and and at Western. Um, It's a a safe place, and and it's a, a, a place where where you can be your best where you really can be your best you can and that's that's really drawn us to this location
0: we've touched on this a little bit um but you were an art major at seattle pacific and uh you talked about we talked about that a lot but for those that don't know what was your actual major at spu and um you know you're kind of a creative mind and how do you bring that into your coaching style and uh I I think it's a fascinating story and hoping someone will pick up on it sometime. Cause I think it'll be an amazing feature story, but, but what's the, what's the connection for you between your passion and your major that you did in art and the art of coaching. Art of coaching. I like that. That's a good turn of phrase right there. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the going autobi- to that, that, be the autobiography title someday. Okay, okay. <laughs> good. I like that.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, I really see, sports and soccer in general as a creative endeavor, like you, like you said, I mean, uh, it's literally, if you go to a, a soccer coaching course attacking the attacking principles of play include creativity. I mean, it's, it's actually part of your coaching curriculum, right. Is, is, is not, you don't run a play perfectly. You actually create, you create space, you create, you know, opportunities and, um, and so I feel like it's very similar to any sort of artistic endeavor and, and I was a, mostly a painter when I was in college and and so there's you know my kids always want to paint with me and 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 but they really get bored really quick because of all the prep and there's like hours and hours of prep before you actually start painting and it's so similar to sports right you the emily webster's goal in the national title game started when she was 13 and all the work she put in and practice and teammates and everything and and that's just like preparing a painting right is doing all your studies your color theory uh are like your tactics and um and all those things come together with a with a little bit of flair and personality and that's that's when the special things happen right that's when the special art happens and and that's when the masterpieces happen and same with the
0: special things on the soccer field well before we end this i'm going to do something i didn't even tell you about but i want to do a little bit of a lightning round here of uh some off the cuff questions so you ready ready all right favorite professional soccer team premier league bundesliga who do you follow and do you have their jersey? Manchester United games are are often on in our home. Uh, I own
1: – or my kids own many jerseys. I do not own a Manchester United jersey. Okay.
0: Uh, is Messi going to go to Manchester City? I hope so. That would be a great person to beat. <laughs> who, is your, uh, who is your favorite soccer player of all time, past, present, or an up-and-comer? The great French midfielder, Michel Plotini, a wizard in the midfield. Okay. If Travis wasn't playing soccer, what sport would people be surprised that he was good at? I don't know if I would be good at it, but hockey looks so awesome. I've only played it once, but
1: it's similar to soccer with the tactics, but you can also be physical, and
0: that looks great. Favorite restaurant in Bellingham to take your family to? Wow, that's a tough one. We don't eat out a lot. Uh, I don't know the answer. Oh, we, we can pivot and we can say favorite meal that Coach Cannell makes for his family. <laughs> <laughs> Probably hamburgers on the grill. That's I'm pretty limited when it comes to that. Last place that you took a vacation with your family and uh, how was it? Uh, we got back
1: from the Oregon coast. The Oregon coast, Lincoln City, just windy, stormy beaches, just love it.
0: Perfect. And uh, when the Vikings return to the field, whenever that will be, uh, how excited are you to see this group of freshmen that are coming in right now? It's a, it's a big class. It's an exciting class. It's the next generation of uh, Vikings. Uh, how excited are you to see them on the pitch?
1: Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. We've got lots of work to do and, and they're eager to do it. They are, uh, they've got a great group of personalities and,
0: and they're going to do great things. Perfect. Well, I think we uh, we covered all the basics. I had a great time talking with you as normal, and I hope uh, Viking fans out there got a little bit of insight into your program. And we got to do this again. We got to go do a top ten list, and maybe even we can do a dual you and Greg Brisbane chat and just talk about Viking soccer from uh, from all the great years. I agree. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks a lot, Coach Canell.